Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Favourite time of the week when that tune comes on. It's time to talk the women's game with Alicia Carnabas. How are you, Alicia? I'm well. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you too. So the Matildas got the job done pretty comfortably in the first leg of their Olympic qualifier against Uzbekistan, although the, go- the goals came late. Uh, what did you make of the performance? Yeah, look, I think we touched on it last week, Simon. There, there was always going to be a very disciplined defensive display, obviously, from Midori Honda. That was the goal, was really to frustrate the Matildas mm. for as long as possible. I thought Uzbekistan actually did okay just in going the distance with the Matildas for the first half. I think that was pretty evident. Lots and lots of missed chances, of course, uh, from the Matildas, which everyone sort of spoke about post-match. But I thought from Uzbekistan's perspective, I thought for pace and, and for contesting the ball, they were pretty competitive as well. So we did have our work cut out for us, obviously, in the first half, but changes were made in the second half. And, and the big question, and that, I guess the highlight was Michelle Heyman. Was she going to yeah. start? Was she going to come on? And I think that was really the game changer um, in the second half. So the standouts for you, um, who were they? And, and what did you make of Caitlin Torby's debut? Yeah, look, very, very happy for, for Caitlin Torpy up here in Queensland. She's an Olympic FC junior, so it was really lovely to see her debut. First first call up to the national team and, and first cap as well. I think that's really special for her. Um, look, I, I didn't think she played badly at all. I think there was a lot of um, frustrated players all over the park. So for me, Caitlin Torpy's debut was, was solid. Um, Mary Fowler, for me, looked a little bit lost, but she came into the game much, much later on. And I thought all over the park um, we could have been a little bit better, in fact, a lot better, particularly in that final third. But defensively, I think Claire Hunt still holds herself really, really well. And I think she's pairing up quite nicely mm. with Alana Kennedy. Um, Alana Kennedy, very minimal minutes um, at City, but I thought she looked pretty comfortable next to Claire Hunt. And I actually quite like that combination in the back. So for me, that was a standout. They weren't pressured, weren't too many um, mistakes, obviously, through the back line. But Kennedy, Hunt, and I thought Fowler's goal was, was really smart as well. Claire Hunt is an absolute gun. She is top quality for me. Uh, at the other point, uh, part of the field, though, Alicia, of course we know there's no Sam Kerr and there's not likely to be a Sam Kerr fit for the Olympics. So for the second leg, with the three-goal cushion in mind, does Tony Gustafsson unleash Michelle Heyman from the start? Does he stick with Mary Fowler and Emily Van Egmond as the, uh, the twin strikers? I don't know whether you call them twin false nines, yeah. whatever you want to call or, or does he go with, with Caitlin Ford centrally? Look, for me, I, I sent it last week and sort of touched on it a couple of weeks ago. If you're going to bring Michelle Heyman in in the mm. form that she's currently in and against the opposition that we're playing, um, it makes sense just to do a, sweet, a straight swap uh, for Kerr and, and in comes Heyman. For me, that's the sensible option. The reason I say that as well is if you keep uh, Caitlin Ford out wide, it opens up so much more creativity and opportunity for Mary Fowler, which I think mm. that's where she shines when she's got that extra space and there's a little bit more mobility through that top half as well. Um, it, we saw that 
change in her game through the second half as soon as Michelle Heyman came on and, and Caitlin Ford as well. So for me, that's actually quite important to build on that, particularly without Sam Kerr. And the reason for that is it just creates a lot more options in attack um, and a lot more goal threats as well. So for me, it's a Heyman up front uh, direct swap and I'd be happy to see that tomorrow. Totally agree. And assuming there's no complete disaster in Melbourne tomorrow, are we seeing a team and are you confident that this side can compete for podium places in Paris? Yeah, look, I definitely think we'll have no surprises tomorrow. I think tomorrow is essentially shaping up to be a farewell match, if we can call it that, in Melbourne, jam-packed. And I think that's what it will feel like, the atmosphere. But um, in Paris, I think the the test will be, well, first of all, who qualifies uh, will be the big question and, and how the pools fall as to whether it shapes us up to be real contenders. Do I think we have the quality? Absolutely. Do I think based on last year's performance at the World Cup, we're in the top four? Absolutely. Um, but how we how the cookie crumbles, I guess, in Paris will be the real test, I think, for the Matildas. Especially without Sam Kerr. Um, let's talk about some of those other uh, qualifiers. The other one in AFC is much tighter. North Korea and Japan locked at nil-nil after the first leg in Jeddah, of all places. Uh, mm. Now, the North Koreans, I'm told, haven't played a game in around three years, partly because of COVID. I think they were maybe suspended as well. Yet... Uh, the three times Asian Cup winners seem to be super competitive again. Do you know anything at all about North Korean football in the women's game? Honestly, honestly, it's very, very close, isn't it? It's mm. really, really hard to find any sort of, um, I guess, information really about North Korea in general. But the team itself, having not played, um, what we know is really scarce, basically. We've got a lot on Japan. Um, but the fact that they have been able to hold Japan, I think, is really interesting and tells you that they are definitely... Um, contenders in the space as well and, and if you can take it to a team of, of Japan's quality uh, we saw them I thought they were one of the most outstanding teams at the World Cup last year obviously things didn't go their way um, in terms of the knockout rounds but I think they were one of the most entertaining sides to watch um, so if North Korea are holding Japan I think that says a lot about them and, and we've got much to learn as well. And the world champions, Spain, they've uh, qualified for their first ever Olympic Games, beating uh, the Netherlands 3-0 to book a place in the semis of the Nations League against France, who are hosting, of course. I mean, that's incredible. Why has it taken them so long to qualify? Yeah, it's a good question. And we sort of, I've spoken about this, or I guess, with different colleagues in and around football, particularly in women's football. And I think the the big thing to note with Spanish football has been the rise of it probably in the last five to 10 years and in, in women's football, especially we've always known them to be contenders in, in the male sectors, but in women's football, even if we take it back 15, 20 years ago at youth level, they weren't even really there either. So the investment and, and I guess the change in tempo um, in Spanish women's football in such a short time is incredible for them to go from literally zero to 100 world champions and um, just even with their league and, and their contributions. I think the investment speaks for itself and I think that's where we're seeing results for Spanish football. So Spain are through. Uh, in Europe, it's going to be the Netherlands or Germany for that final spot in Paris. Now, I read up on this today, and to be honest, I, I must admit I was unaware of this, but this is a, a pretty shocking story, to be honest. The Germans are in a bit of disarray, aren't they? Because Martina Voss-Tecklenburg, their uber-popular coach, as it seemed to me before the Women's World Cup anyway, obviously that, they had a bit of a disaster in, in Australia and New Zealand, um, yeah. but saying that she almost completely collapsed after the Women's World Cup. She was really unwell. 
and she's not coming. But she took temporary leave initially. I think that's right. But she's not coming back. So Horst Rubash is interim coach at the moment. Could they potentially miss out, which would be massive? Yeah, that it would be massive. I mean, I think them bombing out during the World Cup was massive. That was one of those matches where we were all sort of scratching our heads. I'd, I'd definitely pick Germany to be one of my favourites mm. to win the World Cup last year, just with their form. Previously, the Euros, they were finalists as well. So for me, um, is there a changing of the guard happening in Europe? Germany have always been one of those teams. Um, we, we saw it through the 90s into the 2000s. Germany was just always so consistent and so sharp. Perhaps there's a change. In the good old days, it was always Norway that were the, the yeah. one of the stronger teams throughout Europe in, in women's football. So perhaps there is a change happening. I always say when there is this type of disruption for any team going into a major tournament where there's a change in coaches, we've seen it with the Matildas, it does affect performance. It's very difficult for teams just to suddenly readjust under new coaches. So um, fingers crossed for Germany and for German women's football, they can they can qualify. But equally, I'd be super happy to see the Dutch in there anyway. I think they were fantastic last year as well. Yeah, uh, that's certainly the case. And I guess it also shows uh, just how big the pressure is these days on coaches in the women's game, as well as the men's, that uh, Martina Voss-Tecklenburg uh, w- was so unwell on the back of an unsuccessful uh, World Cup. I uh, hope she is OK. Um, we're going to have to leave it there, Alicia. Uh, hopefully the Matildas get the job done against Uzbekistan at Marvel Stadium in Melbourne tomorrow night. I'm sure they will. Uh, are you going down for the game or not? I'm not. I'm, I'm actually chilling out in Brisbane watching it ah. at home. So I'm going to avoid go. the $55,000. <laughs> 55, 55,000 people stronghold. Yeah. 55,000 would be nice. But it should be great. Great yeah. um, atmosphere. I think they're, they're expecting tomorrow night. So exciting for, for women's football. You can put it your is. feet up and watch it on uh, Network 10. Thanks, Alicia. Thanks, we'll speak Alicia. to you next week. Amazing. Thanks, team. That's uh, Alicia Carnavas. Good luck to the Matildas tomorrow. We're off to another break on the other side of it. We'll answer one or two of your texts and tweets.